Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello, welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is episode 371. As we take a deep dive into persuasion, motivation, influence, the things we should have learned in school. Good news today, we have a special guest, Tiffany Bova. Tiffany is the chief growth evangelist at Salesforce and the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Growth IQ. Get smarter about the choices that will make or break. Got that? Make or break your business. Growth IQ provides a simple framework to better understand those growth efforts and help readers develop their own decision-making prowess. Boba's been named to the latest Thinkers 50 list of the world's top management thinkers and is a welcome guest at Bloomberg, BNN, MSNBC, and Yahoo Finance. Tiffany, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have you. Let's start off with our first famous question for you right now. What is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? Oh, I don't want to pick on a vegetable. That's not the way to start the day. <laughs> Let me think. You know, I, I think that overall, vegetables are something I have to always make myself eat. So which one would I pick that I would not? Hmm. There's a lot of them out there. I know. I don't <laughs> I've just learned to like Brussels sprouts. That's a new one for me. I'll say that I didn't like it and now I like it. How about that? That'll work. And I, okay. I got down that same path. It was always the worst, but when they're, I think it comes down to cooking them right. Because <laughs> when yeah, they're boiled I agree. I in agree. A green gooey mess, you're like, oh, I don't think so. But I had some the other day. I'm like, wait, I'm not supposed to like these. They were pretty good. So yeah, exactly. don't tell anybody, but I did kind of like Brussels sprouts the other day. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Let's talk about some things. Help the maximizers out out there. Now, what are some of the biggest changes out there with the customer experience? What's going on in the world of COVID? What are you noticing with the customer and their expectations with the companies that they're working with? One thing I think people, I hope, agree with that are listening to this would say that we've kind of all become super consumers in our day lives, you know, shopping for our personal home and kids and school and all that kind of happened at home and work kind of happened at work. And now everything is happening, depending on where you're listening to this in the world, right, is happening mm -hmm. mostly in our homes. And so from a research perspective, they say at 66 days, habits change. The question is how much of the habits we've now acquired during the last 10, 11, 12 months will remain as they are, will kind of go back to previous behaviors but I think it's going to fall somewhere in between. I think this new super consumer will have much higher expectations, which means people and small businesses and large businesses will have to respond to those changes accordingly, otherwise risk missing the engagement with customers. So define that for us. What is more expectation? They're expecting more, wanting more. How would you define Is that customer service? Is that a better sales experience? Is How would you define that? Great question, because I'd say this. I'd say if you think back your last best experience you had with a brand, could it have been 
buying something online. It could have been going and doing chat support for a question you had versus before it used to be you'd have to call in or maybe even email in or try to find the answer. And so now you're saying, wow, I can very easily on an app on my phone track a shipment or see a menu and order right away and have it delivered to my house within two hours and those kinds of expectations. And then you pivot that over to a business to business environment. And you're like, why does it take me three days to get an answer when I'm in my business role versus when I'm in my consumer personal role, I can instantly chat. It might be chatting with a bot. It might not be a human, but it's still giving me response very quickly. So those expectations could be in delivery, free shipping, an app, ease of buying, talking to a bot, 24-7 support. I mean, all kinds of things, right? But that's what I mean by we now have this expectation. And we notice now when companies don't do things that we're getting from someone else, even if it's in a completely different industry or sector. And so that's what I mean by those expectations raising. Comes down to speed, it sounds like. Just faster, better, quicker. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes it's faster is correct, right? Because the app is sort of that instant gratification. But speed for speed's sake, like even if you answer quickly and it's not the right answer or you put me on the runaround, then speed wasn't the right answer, <laughs> right? So it's <laughs> it's fast, yes, but I'd rather have accurate and first-time resolution of whatever it is I'm looking for. But yes, you are correct. Kind of that instant gratification, unfortunately, in the consumer world is is a very common expectation. So I guess the word would be accurate speed. There you go. Much better. Much better. <laughs> accurate speed. Well, that's interesting. I've talked to people before when, on different trainings. When it's interesting to look at Yelp and there's 20 positive things and there's no negative people don't believe it. But if there's 20 positive and one negative, people go straight to the negative. So we're kind of, I think, shifting gears. So my question is, how do we know what their complaints are? I know in the past, most people just don't complain. If you got one complaint, that could mean there's 20 out there. I don't know if it's shifted. Are we complaining more? I mean, how do we really find out where we're dropping the ball, where the consumers not purchasing from us or going to our competitor? Listen, this takes work. You know, you either have to be committed to doing something like having a consistent listening capability on what's happening. So it could be something as simple as, of the 100% of people we get into our shopping cart on our website, only 25% of the people buy, which means we have 75% of people who bail out of the shopping cart before they finish the buy. So what's happening? And so if you're not even paying attention to, of the 100% who make it to the shopping cart, 75% of the people abandon the cart before they buy. Why is that? So let's dig into why it is. Like If the things we could fix, it's not intuitive. Like you can only pay with PayPal account and you can't pay with a credit card or you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is it mm -hmm. that is turning people off? And so if you're not paying attention to something just that basic, then you're never going to be able to course correct. And it could be, wow, you know, we have this increased churn if you're in a recurring revenue business at the end of every month. Well, why is that? Oh, wow. People's credit cards are expiring. <laughs> Maybe we could fix that. And so some of it is just paying attention to what's happening, being able to capture that. But then you have to be able to look at what's going on. And then once you uncover what it is, action, whatever is necessary in order to fix it, that's the best way. My easiest piece of advice is pay attention, mm -hmm. ask the right questions, right? Look to see what your customers are doing and or not doing. And then how do you make it better for them? So you find out that they're pretty honest. And a lot of time with like product reviews, the consumer's not quite sure if they like it or not. They say they do. Are they pretty honest in their feedback or is, is it the questions we ask? Is that a mixed bag? 
Yeah, well, the challenge there is then when you're asking, right? They're gonna be, yeah, yeah, it was fine, fine. Click, click, click. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> like yeah. I'm out. And so it's different if you're asking to your point, you may get false positives or false negatives. Oh, I love it or I hate it. And it could have just been in that moment that they were not having a great experience with you. So they say they didn't like it, but in reality, they really love your product. It was just, they were having a situation. And so I like the one that is not so leading, like, hey, do you like us? Do you like our product? I'm not saying I don't want you to do that, but you have to balance it with that kind of real-time paying attention as well where you're not leading the customer to either, you know, say they love it or say they don't, because it may not be giving you the best piece of advice. I don't know if there's research on this or if you know this one, but is it better to get feedback right after they've purchased or to send a survey later on? Is there any numbers on that? Is it better to do a survey later on or right after they've purchased, have a few questions or do we even know? I mean, that's just throwing it at you. I I, I don't know what that answer would be or just mixed. So sometimes people will use something called the net promoter score, which is usually right after, right? It's kind of in the moment. You've just checked into a hotel, boom, you get a text message. How did you like your check-in process? So it's fresh in your mind. It's two or three minutes ago, and it's very simple. You know, would you recommend, would you not recommend? Very simple. And so that's a way to just in real time, to your point, right, after they've had an engagement with you. So net promoter score is one of their, or fill out a survey. You know, I'm sure all of us are used to it now. Here's your long receipt. Go to the bottom of this, fill in a survey. You'll get an opportunity to win $5,000 or whatever it is. And oh, by the way, can you say that you had a good experience with me? So now you've asked me to do something. Take that receipt, get to a computer, log in, fill out all the information. You've pushed that requirement to me that I have to do something. Versus making it really simple, like I just said, right? They know who I am. They know I used my credit card. They have my cell phone number. If I've opted in, they could text message me. I could answer it right away. Now they've removed some of the onus in me having to do something. And you might actually get more responses and more results than 10,000 people walking out in a given week with a receipt and asking you to do something. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. And listeners, I hope you grab that because simple and easy is what people want now. Quick, simple, easy. That's probably our theme for today. It's very important to do. It might be easy in your brain, but is that easy in the mind of your consumer? And that's going to be true in the world of sales we've talked about. And let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Now, these expectations that have changed, how does that transfer into the world of sales and how people want to be sold or be persuaded? Yeah, you know, kind of March, April, you know, you have, I'm sure many people are familiar and aware of, you have outside salespeople and you have inside salespeople and overnight outside sales was forced into inside selling, which was a lot of disruption to, you know, a tried and true go-to-market sales strategy for so many companies, right? That having people in the field selling, whether it's real estate, whether it's solar panels, whether Mm -hmm. it's technology equipment, whatever, right? That people are out physically selling. And many field salespeople felt the power of persuasion for them had to happen face-to-face. They felt like they had to get behind a car, you know, drive for an hour or get in an airplane or get on a train, whatever, right? To go from where they were to their client, to visit them, to try to quote unquote, persuade them to buy. And that it had to happen face-to-face. Boom, overnight, you cannot rely on the face-to-face persuasion to get someone to buy from you. So now how do you try to recreate that experience a customer would have with you face-to-face from a persuasion standpoint, virtually? And are you as effective via a Zoom call or a Skype call or a Teams call or whatever you choose to use, Google Hangouts, whatever, 
ultimately making that kind of persuasive engagement over video call was a tough transition for a lot of people because they're much better face-to-face. And so I'd say that there was a research done by McKinsey and Company, a big consulting firm that watched from April to July to October to December, what customers thought about sellers' ability to actually have an engaging conversation, persuasive conversation and sales process, sales engagement, virtually versus in-person. And of course, initially at the beginning, it was like in-person was like, it's so much better than virtually. And over time, salespeople got better, 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 better. And it kind of evened out. And now customers are saying this is cross industry. And I think it was just North America saying that they feel like we've come a long way from a selling perspective. So that's good. Going back to your very first question, right? Do I think those habits will change? So now will customers actually say to you, hold on a second, I don't need you to come to me because we've established a relationship virtually and it's less disruptive to my day if I can just do a quick 15, 20 minute Zoom call and then go on to my day versus having you come over and it's an hour or we're going to lunch or we're going to dinner, right? So I think in many ways, this has been a really great example of the resiliency of salespeople during this time. Yeah, there's been some big shifts and we don't even know what that new normal is going to look like with people getting used to these Zoom calls and these online trainings and different things that we're doing. Let me just ask you, what do you think, what's your opinion on some of the biggest blunders salespeople are making on these Zoom calls? Are there any trends that you're seeing or just personally as you've watched them? Oh, I would say just being boring. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Let's just call it what it is. Like, hey, (laughs) it's a Zoom call. So I would say that being insightful, adding value, I'm sort of using the buzzwords, but look, people want sales people to add value to their engagements. Like, tell me something I don't know. Educate me on how I could do my work or what I'm trying to accomplish better. How can me spending time with you add value to my business and my day? That is true in person. And it's almost more true now in video because people are a little bit on video overload. So how do you separate yourself from the rest and not only be engaged, but be engaging? And that is a skill that people have had to learn. And I think that showed in that research I was just mentioning, right? Kind of every couple of months, everyone got better, a little bit better, a little bit better. It's a new muscle. It's a new habit. It's a new way of doing things. And sometimes people may not actually be able to overcome their insecurities maybe in doing Zoom calls or doing video calls. But I think as you keep practicing and practicing and get better, I think there's some merit in the fact that your customers will want you to do this. So I would just say, don't be boring, mix it up, order lunch, send them an Uber Eats card, say, Hey, I'm going to take you to lunch, not in person, right? We'll order from Uber Eats from the same restaurant and we'll have lunch together. Let's have a lunch meeting, mix it up or invite a really good client to a yoga class, you know, send them a gift certificate to a yoga class. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like do Mm -hmm. something that makes it a little bit more interesting than, hey, I want you know 15 minutes on Zoom call. And it's like, you're my 28th Zoom call today. I'm glad you think it's just 15 minutes, but it's I'm not interested. Yeah, a lot of studies on that Zoom fatigue that's affecting all of us. And so listeners, hopefully you got that. The intro, don't start off. Could everyone hear me? Is everyone there? You have a better intro. Don't be boring. Be engaging. And studies do show you have about four minutes to grab their attention, teach them something new, and prove your worth you got to work on it. And it seems like we lose like 50% of our energy through these Zoom calls. So you got to really crank it up. That's really good advice to be engaging because if they're bored, it's uh, your fault. Hello. So (laughs) 
not sugarcoating it for you. Well, let's talk about this. In Growth IQ, you talked about choices and making decisions. And I was doing research for Laws of Charisma. One of the things that was really interesting to me was you go up in management, there's more and more intuition with decision making. Walk us through the making better decision. Is intuition part of that? What has your research shown? I'd say this. Listen, anybody listening here, we have a choice. We're at a fork in the road. We can either go back to the way that it was, or we can choose to get a little uncomfortable and look towards what the art of the possible would be based on all the things we've learned over the last 10 or 12 months and the usage of technology, social justice. I mean, there's all kinds of things I think as the human race has learned over the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. And so you either have to say, I'm going to force and drag myself back to the past, or what have I been able to do during this time? And what have others been able to do that inspires me to try something different? And so, you know, making those decisions, sometimes it is just the status quo, you know, internal inertia, fear of failing holds us back from doing what we think might be right. And that a lot is driven from intuition. I think this is right, but it's not the way I've always done it. It's never worked in the past. I don't know if I want to try it. It's like, well, my gut is telling me to just go for it. Listen, if it's not going to hurt somebody and it's not illegal, give it a shot. Because the worst thing that can happen is you learn from it and you can pivot and move on. But I think there's a lot to be said that listening to your intuition, listening to your gut, but then very quickly, don't be so in love with your own gut and your own intuition that you don't see the writing on the wall, right? And, and make the right decision if needed. Listeners, we have that inner voice, that intuition. I like what you say, go for it. It's not going to hurt anybody. Give it a shot. See what it's taking about. There's something about that intuition that could be make some big changes in your life and your business. And so Tiffany, as you've researched these high growth companies, what is that one thing they're doing differently right now? What's what's going on? Well, kind of the opening of the book is the one thing is it's never one thing. But <laughs> but how I would answer that is really putting everything on the table and saying, look, just because we've done it this way in the past, even if we were growing exponentially, sales were really good, business is really good, or even if you're really growing now because you're in a industry or sector that has rapid growth because of what's going on at the moment. Whatever the reason is kind of don't rest on your laurels. And so really put everything on the table and be willing to continuously optimize what it is you're doing. Try to automate as much as you can using technology. Make sure your people have everything they need to be successful. This is really a time for reskilling and retraining, giving people the opportunity to try new things especially during this time, like we were just talking about, right? Learning new skills of having a Zoom call is different than giving a presentation. It's just different. The first thing is focus on your people. That's the fastest way to get your customers to love your brand is to get your employees to love their job. So making sure they're safe and healthy and they have everything they need. Put everything on the table and don't be so in love with it that you're not willing to give it a try to change. What is the one thing we missed? What is one thing you really want to tell our listeners? Wow. What would what? I say? Hmm. I would say this, I would say, find your beginner's mind. And what that means is kind of what we've been talking about. We have to get a little comfortable with being uncomfortable, allow ourselves some space to try things that we might not have tried in the past, whether it's using technology, whether it's creating a partnership with another company, whether it's hiring more people or changing your marketing tactics, whatever it might be, like just Having the space in your mind to unlearn and relearn is so powerful, especially today with so many things changing. Good advice. Good advice. So Tiffany, where can our listeners find out more about you and Growth IQ? Growth IQ is translated in nine languages. So uh, if you're listening to this internationally, you might get lucky and have it translated in your, in your language. 
You can go to tiffanybova.com. My podcast is What's Next with Tiffany Bova. You can follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm at Tiffany underscore Bova, and it's Tiffany with an I at the end. So that's the greatest way to uh, stay in touch with me. Thanks, Tiffany. Thanks for sharing your words of wisdom. What's changed in the workplace and how to adapt. Get information, maximizers, choose one thing you're going to apply, put it in your persuasion toolbox, and become more influential. As always, you can find Maximize Your Influence on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Or go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for the latest episode and the archives. Also, that is the place to take your free Persuasion IQ assessment, get advanced influence training, and pick up the new edition of Maximum Influence. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. As always, learn to motivate, become more influential, and go out and persuade with power.